Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. It calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's woo, Spud, Spud Goodman. Greetings, I'm Spud Goodman. That is messed up, yo. Welcome to our radio program. You know, as I've just consumed my fourth Red Bull and Pepto-Bismol in the last hour... Yeah, yeah, you know, hey, Spud, uh, I, I, I want to say, you're talking really fast, and you look kind of shaky. Are you okay? I'm fine, I'm fine. I, let's just get this thing going. With me is our designated laugher, our recent addition to the show. I, I should add, after, sadly, our longtime staff member, Gina, had to retire from broadcasting due to her severe case of voice fry. Now performing these duties is my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, can you give us a brief chuckle? Nothing too strenuous, just something basic. Save your best for later in the show. <laughs> okay then. All right, now I'm supposed to acknowledge our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Wink or something on our listeners. That should be sufficient. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm winking now. H- how about this? How about a verbal howdy-do to? Howdy-do, everyone. We are very happy you decided to spend some time howdy with us. Howdy-do? Really? Yeah, you know, my dad used to answer the phone with that greeting. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. You know, it's it's a warm way to welcome someone, don't you think? I don't think so. Yeah, maybe in Mayberry 1964. Well, as a part of my job as co-host is to introduce a topic that our listeners might find interesting, I was thinking we should discuss Look, I don't care tonight- what our executive producer told you. I am the host, and right now I would like to toss out for discussion that whole reverse mortgage deal. Oh. I've been seeing so many freaking commercials with Tom Selleck for that thing on cable TV lately. It sounds like such an amazing financial opportunity. I mean, if you can't trust Tom, who can you trust? Oh, you whoa, ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. Hmm. Reverse mortgages. Uh, Spud, you rent an apartment. Why would you be interested in this? Uh, Plus, you're not old enough, so it makes no sense. Well, I I will someday, so I need to plan ahead here. At first, I just ignored the commercials, but after a while, they got to me. They they got me to thinking, even though I really like my apartment, I might be missing out on something too good to be true. Now, of course, you know, the lender wins if I kick the bucket early, but what? What if I live to like 110 or something? I don't think it's going to happen. You know, I have really good genes in my family. You, You don't have to like give up the house until you kick the bucket or move out i'm really thinking of buying a house even if it's a dump Hmm. you know you're right but they can't kick you out because you still own it but you have to build up equity over the years if you want to receive payments then you can benefit but you know you have no children and actually there's no possible heirs coming your way so i guess you wouldn't be disappointing anyone at the time of your demise as far as an inheritance goes well i should have a buttload of equity in like six months as fast as housing prices are going up at least around here in seattle and inheritance no one in my family even has life insurance i had to kick in for my dad's cardboard coffin Hmm. you know that is very short-sighted in my opinion everyone needs life insurance yeah 
at least burial insurance. Hey, hey can I ask what this mm, stuff is? It's very grating. Mm, oh, you know, it's an effective manner to concisely affirm what you're trying to say, Spud. You're always telling me to be brief and to the point. Well, Mm, does that in about one and a half seconds. Okay, I guess, but it reminds me of those women on that outnumbered program on Fox News. They all do that. Mm. Yes, it it yeah, bugs the heck out of me. I'm familiar with that show. It's very lively. I, you know, I didn't appropriate it from them, though, at least not consciously. Well, whatever. I, Getting I back to this reverse mortgage thingy, mm. what if the final curtain never happens? You know, m- you know, my demise. Just to stick it to those banks, I might consider trying some of those experimental drugs that are sold on the Internet. I saw one ad that said immortality was doable. That's so hot. But according to my religious teachings, that's impossible. Now, listen, I don't want to be a dream killer here. But that's exactly but what you are right now. You don't know no. what modern science and some guy in, with a lab in his basement is capable of. And, and even if I can't become totally immortal, I can at least live another 50 years or so. So that would make a reverse mortgage a no-brainer. Hmm. You know, I don't think you're thinking clearly here. It may seem like a good deal, but Look, once uh, you pencil... Like, I'm going to take financial advice from a temporary co-host. No, you bro, ain't got the answers! You, you ain't got the bro, answers! Bro, it temporary permanent co-host. And if you do this, I don't say I didn't warn you. Well, and don't say I didn't give you a heads up on this can't lose proposition. But right now, I need to introduce our musical guest, okay? Who I will, I will be speaking to later on in the show. All right, here is Burn Seer. Hmm. <laughs> We're on lockdown Hide under the desk Will you really be safe from all fears? Everyone yelling Louder and louder The music is gone The birds can be heard And the voices Yeah. 
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. My name is Craig Ferguson, and I am on Spud's show. Hey, uh, Spud. Yeah. Your first guest, Frank Caliendo, is waiting to speak with you. Okay, cool. This guy's pretty damn good with impressions. His John Gruden is killer. He, he does a lot of people most impressionists don't bother with, for sure. Yeah, but are you going to ask him to do, say, uh, Jack Nicholson or Al Pacino? Like I've said on so many occasions, I don't treat my guests like trained seals. If he feels like doing an impression, then that's up to him. I know I wouldn't appreciate people asking me all the time yeah, to but, do but, stuff. But, but Spud, what would people ask you to do? You, you don't do impressions or, or jokes or, or really anything. Hey, I, I've been asked a few times over the years to say, super, to a fan. You know, one person even asked me to record it for their voicemail message. Yeah, Spud, I remember that one, and it was your late mother who asked you to do that. <laughs> my sister well, she was a fan of the show. All right, just, just put him on. Yeah, here he is. Please say hello to comedian and impressionist Frank Caliendo. Thanks much for checking in with us. Hey, how are you? Pretty pretty good, actually. I always like to start out as awkward as possible. Right, well, okay, you did that. Um, let me. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, and, All right. And for those who listen to our show in other markets, I'm sure you're going to soon be in their city as you tour a lot, so I want to throw that out. Um, yeah, frankonstage.com lets you know where I'm going to be. Uh, so uh, I did people. People had always had trouble spelling Caliendo, so I just put Frank on stage.com. Well, all right, super. Um, well, let's begin this with a look back at the early days, like really early, like middle school. Were you the kid in class who could mimic the teachers and who you know were really annoying, the ones who assigned mass homework all the time? So I guess I'm asking, did you do major time in detention? Uh, actually, when grade school, I was very quiet. Middle school, I started to break out of my shell a little bit. And by high school, I was pretty sarcastic, but never got in trouble because I could read the teachers. So I always knew what was, you know, acceptable. And the teachers generally liked me because I'd ask questions uh, and stuff like that. But yes, I did do little bits of impressions of some of the teachers uh, and my friends. Uh, so, uh, and then other people would start copying the impressions I was doing of them. But, but not really a lot of impressions of, you know, famous people. I guess, but really people that were around me. Well, wh when when did you like first consider giving showbiz a, a look as a possible profession? Because I take it when you were really young, you wanted to be a, you know like everybody else, an astronaut, a fireman, a cowboy. So, well, I still want to be an astronaut, cowboy. Okay, um, that's a that's a that's a goal of mine. Um, I I guess I went to I went to school for broadcast journalism, the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee, and thought. Hey, I don't know if this is really what I want to do. I'm not a good interviewer, so I wasn't really good at sticking a microphone in somebody's face. Maybe a more casual, fun type of interview would be fun, but not really something like trying to be an investigative reporter. I feel like I was bothering somebody. So I graduated from college. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, and so I just tried stand-up, and it, it worked out. So I just started getting on stage, and and uh, I was doing a little bit of the voices then, and it just started to work on stage really well. So I just started adding to the repertoire. Who was your go-to uh, voice at the beginning? Uh, I would say at the beginning, Robin Williams. Um, that was the big one that always worked. Chris Farley was the one I would close with. And I did a lot of weird ones like Tony Danza, like Johnny, oh, yeah. you know, things that nobody else really did. 
so that was one of the keys was doing off the, everybody was doing the Jack Nicholson hey how are you you know I'm I'm a dishwasher you're like why um, so I started just breaking down kind of what people did and looking at what what made people who they were as actors or um, sports people and whatnot and the the Madden was the one that caught fire John Madden uh, initially uh, and that whole idea was about the he would tell you things you already know. He'd say things like, if the quarterback, if he throws the ball in, the receiver catches it in the end zone, boom, that's probably going to be a touchdown. And that just kind of caught on, that, that master the obvious thing. Well, yeah, I was going to hit you up with that. When you, when you were appearing on uh, Fox NFL Sunday, did you find former players and coaches were more or less sensitive to being portrayed humorously? I would think coaches would be a little stuffier. I don't know, except for maybe Yeah, well, or... I mean, at Fox, when I was at Fox, I was there for nine years, and most of it was famous, like, pop culture impressions talking about football. Other than Terry, Howie, and the guys, that was, you know, most of it was... Uh, doing Dr. Phil or Andy Rooney or right, whatever, right. Um, these news type of people. And now at ESPN, which is much more my speed of the, the kinds of sketches I want to do with them, they're, they're not as mean and they're sillier and more con- conceptual as opposed to hard jokes. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was just curious, has, was there ever been a celebrity who sent you word that he was not or she was not amused at your impression and asked you to drop it? Because that would be the highest form of flattery because you nailed it, obviously. Um, nobody's ever said it directly. John Madden years ago didn't like me, and uh, I, I, I finally made his grandkids laugh at the Super Bowl in Dallas a few years ago, and it was like a light bulb went on over his head, like, I get it now. This guy makes small children laugh. He's kind of like a saint, just like Drew Brees. Boom, who's a Hall of Famer? You know? Wow. All right. Um, well, how about political humor? Because that's had a rich tradition with impressions. With this recent uh, election cycle, was it ever awkward on stage if, if you ever went there down the road? It seems like a high risk, high reward kind of deal. But Well, I always walk a line. I don't take a side. So to me, I always assume that there are, pe- there are people who support both candidates in the audience. And my job is not to uh, play to one side or the other or make you think too much about anything it's to just let you get away and find the the funny side so i don't really talk about the politics of politicians i talk about the way they act so with trump with donald trump which is uh, i i guess very controversial even though he's the president Uh, yeah it's interesting that um but it's it's an interesting way to 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 walk your way through it but like with him he's in the campaign, especially, he did some brilliant things. He was almost like a, a, a hypnotist, where he would get you to believe something, and the way he would do it is he would say this at the end, and everybody knows it. So people would hear him say, there's a colony of people on Mars, and 100% of those people are voting for me, and everybody knows it. Then you'd be walking down the street, you hear people talking, do you hear about that colony of people on Mars? Yeah, 100% of them vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, everybody knows it. So it's, it's amazing how just some of the ways people talk can actually influence what you believe, say. And I, I'm not saying that Donald Trump only lies. I'm not saying that. But it's interesting to hear how he could say something that – because he just does. He just says things that are completely over the top. Even when he's just trying to be a regular guy, he goes P.T. Barnum on him on, on it because that's what he is. I think he's going to have to change that as president some. But 
Well, it, yeah. It's interesting. That's what I find is that character. Frank, I think you kind of basically cracked the code there. And in, in terms of all the pundits that have spent hours analyzing, I think you kind of nailed it. Uh, the dude figured it out. I, I, I'm definitely not a fan of that man, but I think you just, uh, yeah, thank you for that analysis. All right. Well, it's not, I mean, it's just if people, you have to see. He's got that other one where he goes, and I'm not the only one saying this. <laughs> but he, even when he is, who else is saying it? Other people who are as intelligent as I am. So it's like, it's amazing. And we'll see what he, we'll see what he does. Well, I he, mean, he's already started to, uh, he's already started to acquiesce a bunch. So I, he's, I've met him before years ago. This is, and I, I can't speak for him now. And when I met him, I was expecting this terrible, horrific person who would be like a greasy used car salesman from 1975. And w- he was actually very cordial, super nice, and self-deprecating behind the scenes. And it threw me off. And I feel like sometimes, and this, this can be as a negative as it is as a positive, but he does that to get you thrown off balance so you don't know what to do to go in when you start negotiating with him and he's already on a higher, a higher foot. Yeah. Which, which, which is like a Georgia, a higher foot. It's higher footing, man. Get it right. Um, but it's, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, but so, so he, here, we're halfway through the sketch and something goes wrong and he goes, I, he, he says, uh, is this okay? Is this going all right? Because something went wrong and stopped down. He's like, is this all right? Everybody's like around the room. Yes, Mr. Trump. Fantastic, Mr. Trump. It's great, Mr. Trump. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Does anybody ever say something, is tell you something went badly? And he's like, no, Frank, and that's part of the problem. I can't get real answers. So I started laughing. I'm like, gosh, he knows the joke. So it was interesting. Say, Spud, you do know this might be the only area that you have in common with President-elect Trump. What? Hey, Frank, uh, give me a brief second here. Well, I'm just saying, maybe you picked it up from him when you interviewed him years ago, too, as you both seem to surround yourself with yes people. I mean, the interns wait on you like you're some sort of god. Yeah. Uh, A false god, I should add. And the other studio staff also seem to only tell you what you want to hear. And for myself... I don't know about that. I've become quite proficient at biting my tongue while in your presence. Maybe this is not a good time to bring this up, but Frank just touched on it. Look, you're going to have an on-air intervention regarding your resentment of my star status? I can't help it if the people on this show look up to me and consider me to be different than them. That's the burden that stars have to deal with. Uh, I don't know if you could actually describe yourself as a star. This is just a little radio show. And yes, you did at one time have a syndicated yes, TV I show. Did. I know, but that was canceled, Spud, well, a long time ago. Look, I am well used to others resenting my success. So what you say only makes me stronger and doesn't like wound or or injure or kill me, I guess. So let me get back. Is that how it, you know, how is that how it goes? Yeah, anyway, it. let me get back to Frank. Uh, very well, but I think we should continue this discussion at a later time. Much later. Well, on a totally unrelated topic, on our uh, show, we're now discussing those reverse mortgage commercials that are on cable news stations every five minutes. I'm wondering if we're soon going to be selling off all of our stuff to corporations before we kick the bucket, you know, leaving relatives with like nothing. So there's not going to be anybody at our funeral. So when you're old, do you plan to check this out? Uh, no, I'm just going to give all my money to my kids okay. uh, through a charity organization. <laughs> all right. Just checking. Just checking. All right. Super. That was, that was a Hillary Clinton joke. That's what that was. That was tremendous. All right. Super. Okay. Well, let me wrap this with my required cliche closer. So here we go. Uh, Frank Caliendo, what has been your most memorable moment in show business? 
this this interview right now. Thank you. All right. Super. Yeah. Yeah, it's been huge. All right. Okay. All right. So, hey, I want to thank you very, very much for coming on our show. Hey, appreciate it for you for having me. Absolutely. Mr. Frank Caliendo. This is the Spud Goodman Show. What else is there, man? Hey, Spud. Yeah. Uh, Ted Marr, our resident psychic's on the line and ready to do a segment. Right. Just put him through. I have some stuff I want to ask him. It's just not easy knowing he's falling in love with other women right in front of my eyes. Should I do his plug now? Yeah. Ted Marr's Out of This World can be heard each Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is. All right, please say hey to our very own psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. What's going on, Ted? Hello, Spud. Thanks so much. It's wonderful to be here today. Yeah. So I thought it would be interesting for our listeners to hear about an average day in the life of a psychic. You know, we'll have to be brief here, and you know, I don't expect you to divulge confidential secrets, but maybe just the basics, you know, for the, you know, the for dummies version. Well, one of the most important things you can do if you, um, when you talk to the other side is, is practice. And they communicate in, in, the higher, in the higher density levels, and they communicate by thought. So if you're contacting someone like grandparents or parents who passed on, you just sit quietly and you can have the messages come right through with practice. I did this recently for a lady who was orphaned, and she never knew her real parents, biological parents. And it was so beautiful because when I sat down to give her a reading spud, um, they came through and I gave her all these messages of love and personal messages to her. And you should have seen the, the tears rolling down her eyes. And then they gave her a hug, and she could actually feel the love and their arms around her in the spirit world. Wow. Well, do psychics yeah. get nervous on first dates? I was just thinking about this. You know, just like the rest of us non-psychics. I mean, do you, do you know from, like, the get-go, you know, that you're going to get lucky on the drive over before you have to pay for dinner and a movie? Because that would take, you know, a bit of the sting out of the total expenditure knowing in advance, you know? At least, at least that's for me. <laughs> well, my friend, I think everyone has the ability to be psychic. Um, and, and unfortunately, though, the culture sometimes makes fun of people who do it, but I think the society as a whole is much more accepting of it now. There's a whole other spirit world out there, and, and I've, I've been doing this for so many years, but that I know that even when our physical body dies, our soul never dies, and you can always talk to family and loved ones, and even pets who've passed on. Spud, yes. the highly dubious rantings of that Nostradamus character are nothing more than a fairy tale. Who would take this stuff seriously? Well, he sold a lot of books, and they didn't have Kindles, you know, back in the 1500s. His stuff is really popular. So, you know, he may be annoying because, you know, he knows everything. But a lot of what he predicted has actually happened. Well, I would put the Book of Revelations up against his work any day of the week. Other than on Sundays, I'm pretty sure Nostradamus has a better track record to this point. I mean, go check with that PolitiFact website to see whose pants are on fire with the most lies. Well, I don't go to PolitiFact to validate my spiritual beliefs. Well, how about checking for how many Pinocchios at the Washington Post, then? Uh, they're very unbiased. Again, Spud, faith does not require fact checking. Whatever, just let me get back to Ted. Um, well, do psychics have to consult their own psychics to secure needed intelligence that they themselves can't figure out, like a chiropractor who goes to another chiropractor to get adjusted? You know, you know, I don't know, if you wanted to know something and you just couldn't pull it up, do you go to someone else to help you out? You know, it's interesting. It's an interesting question. With people like, if I'm really close to someone, like within my family, um, 
it's difficult for me to do a reading because I have emotions involved. And for that, I go to another psychic for, for, for confirmation of things. It's hard for me to, for me to read people that I'm very close to. For a complete stranger, it's very easy for me to do a reading because I'm, I'm just tied into the other side. Wow. All right. Well, you know, as far as my own peers, you know, I have a tough time having a conversation with other radio talk show hosts, mostly because, mm -hmm. you know, we're all total that's, I guess that's probably the main reason, but anyway. All right. Well, um, I know you're a really busy psychic, so I'm going to let you go, but I really want to thank you for calling in again. Thank you so much, but this is always a lot of fun. I hope you have a wonderful day. Our resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. love it so much we'll keep coming back until he won't let us come back and then we'll stand outside the door waiting for him to show up so we can beg him for more appearances because we love it so much we now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the spud goodman radio show Man, I think the Red Bulls and Pepto-Bismol have, have worn off. Oh. oh, well, whatever. Hey, getting back to that reverse mortgage deal, I didn't mention there are so many other things you can leverage. Uh, I mean, there are vultures out there willing to pony up money betting against a person. You can sell your life insurance before you check out. Oh. It's just a waiting game for, for the company that buys you out, I guess. You know, and now I know they might be tempted. If you did this, to go all KGB on someone, I mean, that's a risk. You know, poison their TV dinner or something. So, yeah, that's something you got to think about. But I may go this route, too. What'd you do? Screw up like the Beatles and say you were bigger than Jesus? You know, buy, you know I'm serious. I might buy a few life insurance policies and then sell them. Yeah, but, Spud, wouldn't that make you uncomfortable knowing that some actuarial pencil pusher in some company has already figured out just how long you might live. You know, I've read that they're often able to predict a person's death down to the month, yeah. sometimes even the week. Did you forget my willingness to be a lab rat for those pills I sell on the internet? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, it's a gamble. They might kill me on the spot after taking them, but it's worth a gamble because I did a list of pros and cons. Hmm. Well, maybe you should consider leveraging something that doesn't include the possibility of you dying. Well, what is the question? Yeah, I mean, there were a few companies out there who, who you know, who will bet against you on a whole bunch of other things that maybe like you know, what? when your life's not on the line totally. Like one pays out like fifty thousand dollars if your marriage lasted over eighteen years. Huh. I don't know why it was eighteen and not fifteen or twenty, but you just you know you buy in for like fifty bucks a month, and if you last the eighteen years, you get the money. Well, have you added up what $50 a month would cost you after 18 years, and then if the marriage fails and you divorce? Well, you lose all the money you right, paid, man. Right, But they have to earn a living, too. Hmm. Well, I find this form of capitalism somewhat unsavory. As much of a free market guy that I am, there's something about it that just seems, I don't know, gambly or... I, I hope you don't invest in the stock market or have a 401k. 
I mean, you check that stuff out on CNBC. It's like watching yeah. sausage being made. It's really gross. But, you know, there's always going to be someone betting against you. This is America. Well, I guess, but... Yeah, you think seems- anyone in that top 1% worry about how they make their money? They are not our friend. I just might jump into this game big time. I'm pretty sure I could find some company to bet against me in all phases of my life. In everything. Mm, Spud. Don't go down this road. Um, um, you suck! That's what, seriously, that's what all the rich people in that tiny little club would wish. They don't want their club to suddenly be 2% or 5%. Mm. They would then be screaming, there goes the neighborhood. Hey, why don't you just do your job and check and see if our next guest is ready to go? Oh, uh, yeah, and, uh, yes, but I'm being told your next guest, Oscar Nunez, is holding on the line for you. Good, I love his work. Very subtle, but quite funny. Now, I think I know who Oscar is. He was on The Office, right? Yeah, for nine seasons. Nine seasons, yeah. He has a new show on TBS now. You know, as much as people made fun of Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott, I always felt he spoke to people like me. I I really miss that show. Well, now that you mention it, you do have a lot of Michael Scott in you. No offense. No offense taken. What I would give to have a boss like that in real life. Someone with such a great sense of humor. What's your name, scumbag? Well, sorry, I will never, ever utter the words, that's what she said, okay? Just put Oscar on, please. Yep, you got it. Here he is. Please say hello to actor and comedian Oscar Nunez. Thanks for coming on our show, man. Oh, my pleasure. How you guys doing? Excellent, excellent. Um... Well, let us open our discussion by touching on the new show you co-star in, People of Earth, now airing on the on TBS each Monday at 9, 8 central. Give our listeners the basics of the show, if you would. The, the basics, it's called People of Earth, uh, as, you've, uh, sta- as you've stated, and uh, it takes place in a small town in, in upstate New York, and it's basically a support group for people who think they've been abducted by, uh, by aliens. And uh, I play uh, Father Doug, who uh, who is in charge of the rectory where this group meets. And so that's that's basically a support group for people who who, who believe they've experienced a. Uh, uh, contact with aliens. Right. Well, you know, we have a resident psychic on our show, Ted Marr, that's all over those reptilians that you guys cover on your show. He feels they're everywhere around us. So in your research for the show, are you personally convinced we are currently surrounded by little visitors from other galaxies? Sir, you assume that I've done research for the show. Sort of, yeah. You're a professional. (laughs) No, I didn't do research for the show. I I played a priest and... uh, I was uh, I went to Catholic school, so I know priests and nuns and uh, that whole deal. So that was the way I looked at it. Of uh, same here. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's. Uh, I I I'm not against it. I'm not. You know, I don't care either way. It doesn't affect. Uh, you know, I don't. I hope it would not affect me. Right. Uh, in a practical in the practical way, uh, you know, if, if they. If they come and we have to pay ta- extra taxes to them, that would be awful or whatever. But I haven't seen any hard evidence to well to uh, to prove that there's. I kind of believe. I kind of believe. And our psychic, uh, he knows a whole lot about this stuff. So I mean, he's a flipping psychic. So I got to believe him. But anyway, all right. Well, let, let me move it on. Let me move on here. Um, so Oscar, oh, I'd, love, I'd love hard evidence. I'd love some a, a piece of material that they're like, hey, we don't know what this is made of, or. Here's a body or something like that. I would love hard evidence. Well, I think everything I've seen so far can be explained through other things. So, 
Well, in the meantime, we're just going to have to rely on the wisdom of psychics and uh, other paranormal experts, I guess. So anyway, all right. Um, well, I have been a fan of yours since your appearances uh, on Reno 911 years ago. You have very good comedy taste as far as the projects you get involved in. That's my editorial statement. Thank you. Yes. So did, was that a blast doing, working on Reno 911? I, I, we've had a lot of the cast members on over the years. They're, 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 everybody has worked on that they, show is amazing. Yeah, no one's better than, than Carrie, Tom, and, and, and Grant, and, uh, um, and uh, yeah, and Ben. I, I mean, yeah, they, it was a huge break for me to be on Reno. Well, we must also touch on your long run on The Office, a pretty much perfect network comedy that had uh, a talented cast, to say the least. So do you guys plan to hold like a 30-year reunion down the road? Because you were together for like nine seasons, and that's unheard of in TV nowadays. So you're kind of family, right? Yeah, I, I uh, stranger things have happened. I would love to get together. We, we don't get together as a whole huge group, but I see Angela once in a while. I see Brian, I see Angela, I see Creed, and Jenna. Those are the ones that I see mostly. I used to see Kate Moore. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was, you know, we were shooting People of Earth in Toronto, and I I binge-watched The Office. I had, I had not seen it since it originally aired way back when. I had not watched the episodes again, and I binge-watched it, and it holds up. And every episode is just so funny. I cried, I laughed. Sometimes I would watch and I'm like, I don't remember doing that. I don't remember that day at all. And a lot of times I did remember, but uh, boy, it was great. Even when after Steve left and we we're like, oh, a little depressed. And then Kathy Bates came to play and James, uh, James Spader. It was just such a wonderful uh, show to be on. Yeah, I would agree with the. the uh, it's a great binge experience doing. I did that once myself. Worked through every episode. Took about it was in the summer a while back, but yeah, it was it was well worth every minute. I yeah, I love the show. So, um, so let me let me state this uh, this little known fact. Um, you're also a man of the people. As before, you were a TV star. You appeared on the Match Game in 1998 and proudly wore a Ronnie James Dio T-shirt. That fashion choice may have been a first for daytime TV. I cannot 100% confirm this, but I'm fairly confident that this is accurate. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. What was the shirt again? The Match it? Game you were on in 1998. Yeah. You wore Ronnie James that, Dio T-shirt. This is on the internet. It has to be true. I was wearing what T-shirt? A Ronnie James Dio T-shirt. It said you it, you wore a Dio T-shirt. Oh gosh, I don't remember that. Maybe I, I I was on Match Game. Yes, I was. Hey, I don't know if I wore. Yeah, it's this yeah, document. Hey, Oscar, it's on the internet. It's got to be true. It happened. Well, I I'm not I, I yeah I, not, I was on the Match Game. I don't know what shirt I was. I don't remember what shirt I was wearing. I do. Or if they even allowed. If, if they allow t-shirts. You saw me wearing a, a, t a DOG t-shirt? No, I read. it's documented on the internet that you wore a DO t-shirt on the match game in 1998. I just wanted to state this for the world to, and they can go look it up if they want. They can Google it right this yeah, second. go look it up. It's I there. I, yeah. Try Wikipedia. Um, on, Wikipedia, try I was, <laughs> I was on win, lose, or draw also. Oh, cool. I did not know that. A couple of game shows, yeah. Oh, yeah, super. so uh, I do. I do love my game shows. Hey, Spud. What? What have I been suggesting to you for like the last six months? Hey, Oscar, just give me a second here. Thanks. Okay. There are so many things you've droned on about. I can't remember everything you've said. Well, 
game shows. You need to appear on a game show. Oh, what better what? way to promote this radio show? I mean, than being a contestant, a man of the people on a TV game show. Think of how many potential listeners you could reach. You could be like that uh, Ken Jennings guy who blew up on Jeopardy. Jeopardy? No way, man. You have to be really smart on that show. I would only do it if I could get like hooked up with some kind of earpiece where my lifeline could help me out. Uh, Spud, that would be cheating. You don't want to be associated with a scandal or anything. It would disgrace the show. But if I got caught, but if I killed it like that dude on Jeopardy, number one, I would be like rich as he made a ton of cash. And secondly, I would instantly be thought of by everyone as a genius. That is something I have wanted since grade school and it has eluded me. Okay, Uh, on further thought, a game show may not be a good move for you. Uh, Maybe you should just return to Oscar. Okay, but Google how much one of those earpieces would cost. Check and see if like there's a, a CIA surplus store online or something. Hey, Oscar, I've returned. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let me hit you with this a little last little tidbit from your past. Uh, in 2010, you were a judge in the Miss USA contest. Can I ask what the qualifications are to be a judge for those type of competitions? Do they make you like grade a bunch of photos like a Rorschach test to see if you have the mental abilities to fill such a prestigious position? I was just curious. Yes. Yes, they do, and they and they. <laughs> no, I think you just have to be a celebrity. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and it was me and a bunch of like Paula Dean and a, and and this oh. ice skater guy from the Olympics who's a who's a big celebrity now. He was, I forget his name, but he you, you know him if you if I mentioned him and a, a bunch of other people were judges, and uh, we went to Las Vegas. And uh, we met Donald Trump. And, oh uh, boy! Yeah, yeah, but this is before. This was before the birther thing. This was way before that. He was just a businessman back then. Did he take and you I backstage when they were dressing? Yes, he did. Okay, there you go. <laughs> no, he he was there, and he was just like a business guy, a little bit douchey, but nothing crazy. If he had if he had been in the birther thing, I would have never accepted. At the time, it was just some businessman, and we're like, "Hey, Donald Trump, let's go do this." And yeah. he's dating a penthouse in in a, in a hotel, and it was we had a we had a good time. It was like two days, and it was crazy, but uh, it's a once in a lifetime thing, and uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. All right, I will say once again that you currently co-star in the TBS series People of Earth, airing Mondays at 9, 8 central. Um, hey, uh, I, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on our show. My pleasure. This has been Oscar Nunez, and thank you so much. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions, the program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is a Spud Goodman Show. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please welcome Green Monkey recording artist, Bern Sear, to the program. Uh, Can you guys uh, maybe formally declare your identities and the instrument you're going to be playing, or are playing, I guess I should say. Yeah, hey, thanks for having us, Spud. Uh, I'm Robert Scott. I'm behind the drums. Over here we have Frankie on the guitar and the vocalist. Super. And then over here we have uh, Quad T's uh, Eric, uh, the bass player, and uh, looks like he's going to do some backup vocals tonight. <laughs> backup right. vocals are my specialty. Very super. Now, you guys are veterans of the Seattle music scene. Can you give us the For Dummies family tree history? Well, let's see. It goes so far back, I'm not sure I can remember. Uh, 
you know, start get, got started playing back in the early days of grunge, you know, back in the mm-hmm. late 80s. Remember that uh, well. Playing with the bands like Skinyard and Grunt Truck. And, right. And then uh, some other, a bunch of bands nobody's ever heard of. And uh, now I've, I've landed here with these three lovely folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Frankie, you've got yeah, some history. I'm, I'm from uh, New York City, and so I'm more East Coast uh, bands there. And then uh, came here in late 90s and started playing around and met this guy across the street, Mr. Scott. Super. Yeah, yeah the, great, right. the great thing about this band is we all live 100 yards from each other. As it should be. Uh, it's called a commune, right? Okay, so <laughs> knowing what you know now about the music industry, would anyone in the band have chosen another route instead of this art form? Like, I don't know, maybe building sandcastles or being a professional hot dog eater? It's just something different that you could, you know, uh, be creative. I, generally, I envy my uh, garbage man as he goes by. Um, okay. It looks like a pretty cool job and uh, with a steady paycheck and those types of things. You know, it's something, something uh, I haven't had a lot of in my life, being a musician. Okay. I think I would have followed the path of making balloon animals myself at malls. Ooh, I like oh, yeah. balloon animals. I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, well, you guys seem so tight. I got to ask this question. You seem, you know, you're very close. Does the band have like a go-to slogan to yell after a team huddle? You know, right before you go on, like leave it all on the stage, or like hustle, or or maybe just a quick loud burn seer. Just anything at all, you guys. Just to get you pumped to hit the stage. No, but I think we should have Spud come up with something oh, yeah, for us. Yeah, we're open. We're, we're open. very open I'm to on that it. Because I think that would be good. I'm on it right now. All right, super. What's the name of the next song, and uh, what's it about? Um, the next song is called Waiting, and you'll tell us, Spud, what it's about oh, when uh, it's done. Ooh, I'm, I'm involved in this. All right, super. Let's do it. <laughs>
Uh, Spud, yeah. your last guest, Jeremy Sisto, is ready to go. Okay, you may not know who this guy is, but he's a very good actor. He was in that awesome Six Feet Under on HBO a while back, <laughs> then later Suburgatory on ABC, and now he has a new show on DirecTV. You're right. I don't know him, but I will Google him immediately. Uh, sure wish I could get a security clearance to receive the show schedules yeah, before well. we go on the air. Hell no, you can't! It's not really necessary as... You won't be speaking with them, but, you know, hey, knock yourself out if you want. Well, it's the job of a co-host to stand ready in case of a tragedy with, say, your health or something. So you just give me a minute here. I'm going to look them up, and I'm going to write down some emergency questions if they're needed to, you know, yeah. finish the interview, God forbid. Y- yeah, God forbid. Just put them through. But here he is. Please say hello to actor Jeremy Sisto. Uh, thanks for calling into the show, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, you have a new TV series airing on DirecTV titled Ice. Uh, one of your co-stars is Donald Sutherland, too, so that's not too shabby. Yeah, no, Ray Winstone, Sam Gidande, Judy Shirey. It's a great cast. Yeah, very cool. All right, well, let's talk about the show. It's set in L.A. in the world of diamond trading. Uh, can you now tell the difference between, like, zircon- uh, cubic zirconium and a real-deal 12-carat diamond? They both look alike to me. And do, are, are, have you picked up that skill? Uh, they, they do make good fake diamonds, I tell you. Um, I am not an actual expert. I just play one on TV. Oh, okay. But, uh, uh, but, I, but I, know what, I know what an expert would see in, uh, in these diamonds. But part of what's interesting about it is this, you know, this subjective thing that the human beings in these companies decided at a certain point to make these, uh, these stones, these precious stones that are pretty amazing that they're, you know, they're created within the earth under all this pressure, um, uh, but that uh, a company basically decided to make these represent love, and now it's a you know, now they're worth millions of dollars. Now you can wear something around your neck that is worth millions of dollars, and, uh, and that's that's a pretty uh, pretty intense thing to be connected to. I know I wouldn't feel comfortable wearing anything over you know hundred dollars really <laughs> because I get nervous. I'll lose it. It'll fall off. But, right. You know, um, I think we also learned you don't want to put that out on social media if you're wearing that stuff or hang, hang of having it. So I just just thought I'd throw that out. But oh yeah, that's right. With uh, and, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, uh, it's it's really it's really intense to have that much wealth. Um, you know, just on your person. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, let me jump into the wayback machine for a moment. Uh, now. Your turn on the uh, the great uh, HBO show Six Feet and Under was quite memorable. You know, we, we had Richard Jenkins on the show, and I told him I felt you guys really put together a special show that broke ground. You know, dealing with the with the with the dying business. Uh, anyway, that was just it was an amazing show. Yeah. It was, yeah, and that was really the beginning of uh, you know uh, of all this amazing TV that we're seeing now. Um, that was that was early days, so it was. It was really, you know, one of the things that I felt really lucky that I was a part of that, you know, the beginning of that movement um, of storytelling. And, and, and yeah, this, this is in that tradition in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's, this is a high-impact, high high-pressure uh, show where the stakes are, are crazy and, and you find these characters in situations that, 
you really would not want to find yourself in. Whereas Six Feet Under was um, was kind of much more down to earth and um, things we can all relate to. Uh, but the character, especially, is, is for myself is is kind of a similar track in the sense that on the surface you'd be somebody that you really wouldn't want to be one of your loved ones. You'd be a real hassle. But um, he's a complicated character, and uh, and he's he's uh, he's, he's been, you know. It allowed me to show sides of myself that uh, are, um, you know, I'm not hugely proud of, but uh, I'm proud to play. Right, 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 yeah. Hey, Spud. What? Excuse me, Jeremy, I'll just be a second. What? I bet you can really relate to Jeremy having to portray a troubled and emotionally confused character. Only, in your case, this is the curse you carry in real life. You two could share notes. I don't know what's tougher, you know, bearing the cross in my own day-to-day life or having to pretend to be really messed up like Jeremy had to on Six Feet Under. His character was, like, clinically psychotic. What an amazing show. I mean, seriously. Yeah, I-, I wouldn't know. As you're aware, we don't have HBO in our home. Right. Uh, you know, someday maybe my wife will break down and let us get another channel. Like, I don't know. Showtime or something? that That's more family-oriented, right? Uh, uh, not really. If you want that kind of programming, yeah. tell her to sign up for Cinemax. Cinemax. You will love it. Um, yeah, let me get back to Jeremy, though, as I don't want him to start like playing video games on his phone while we're yakking. Oh, okay, right. Hey, sorry about that brief interruption, Jeremy. I'm back. <laughs> well, not too long ago, uh, you starred on the ABC series Suburgatory. Again, a pretty darn good show. Um... One of your co-stars, can I ask uh, this question, Carly Chaikin, I believe, uh, now on Mr. Robot, does she really talk with the voice fry thing off camera? Because she's so talented. I was just curious, is that her real voice or is that a, a stage uh, thing? With the voice what? She, well, Car- Carly's voice, you know how she kind of has uh, a very unique voice tone uh, she, on Suburgatory yeah. and now on Mr. <laughs> Robot. Yeah, she, I mean, yeah, she, uh, she has a voice that you know that's similar to, to both of those characters at times um she's a she's i love watching her on mr robot because obviously yes. when i met her she was playing she was playing uh dahlia, dahlia right dahlia? yes dahlia. Dahlia. yeah on Spotify, which is a very unique <laughs> and ridiculous character and and so that's who she was to me and so to see her in this darker kind of uh role is, is pretty fun you know it kind of uh, changed how I looked at her. Right, right. Um, well, let me wrap this thing with uh, my standard question. <clears throat> um, Jeremy Sisto, what has been your most memorable moment so far on Earth? Oh, man, it's been so many as a parent. It would have to be um, it'd have to be that parent thing, though. I, I, I don't want to say, like, childbirth. Or like, like again, first year is kind of a pain, but somewhere... It's got to be one of those one of those many millions of moments from about a year and a half to about uh, four. That is just so fantastic watching these kids kind of figure out how to how to speak and how to understand the world. That's been uh, probably the most significant. All right. Well, as far as the parenting, I heard that teaching them how to drive is kind of a down earth part of it, but you know that's only one small little oh, I yeah. thing. So anyway, all right. Well, let me let me say again that you are now <laughs> starring in the series Ice, airing on Directv. Um, everybody can catch it there. So I, I just want to tell you we appreciate you checking in with us. Thank you very much for taking the call. Absolutely, Mr. Jeremy Sisto. Every second you lose, you lose. 
Spud, while the band was playing, I did a little check on Google about yeah. companies who actually do offer all sorts of policies to the public. And I'm appalled at what I saw, I have to say. Oh, what did I miss? I mean, is there someone who will pay me now for my gold fillings? Because I was planning to keep them until, you know, I do croak if I ever do. I still need to do more research on those live forever pills. Courtney, Chloe. Hmm. I didn't see anything about selling the rights to your gold fillings, but okay. I did right. see one company who purchased a percentage of the future earnings of a newborn from new parents. There was a lot of small print in their online ad that I saw, but they wanted the parents to fill out an extensive background information regarding their family's educational and financial history, stuff like who that. Who wouldn't want a piece of, say, Bill and Melinda Gates's kids' future earnings, yeah. but most people's kids are a little more iffy. I, I'm sure not going to have a kid of my age just to try that one out. Well, I saw another one that would pay someone a set amount of $20,000 if they would donate all their organs. Tonight, a Kelly File exclusive. I assume that's after death. 20 grand though, wow. Yeah, but don't get excited. That's just for those under 35, Spud. Um, you would not be eligible. You know, I am an organ donor on my driver's license. I, I hope at my age now they, they don't just throw them away You know, if something should happen to me. I, I felt good about myself when I checked that box way back when my body parts were worth something. Hmm. You know, if you do live to at least 110, like you say, right. I doubt anyone would want your organs. Frankly. And I'm probably not going to like you, no matter how many pull-ups or push-ups you do. They might even charge your estate to dispose of them at that point. I wonder if there are any companies out there who will pay someone for their soul. I mean, I'm not totally sure I have a soul, but if there's a market for everything, so I mean, it's possible, I'm going to have to check that uh, one out. Yeah, you have a soul, Spud, and that would be really? a transaction between you and God. Um, I think it'd be actually... I was afraid of that. Hmm. Well, Spud, I think the takeaway from all this talk about exploiting yourself for monetary gain, it's a good lesson in what we should truly value in our lives. Yeah, well, what I'm learning is just about everything is for sale. And I sure wish I would have picked this up when I was in, like, my early 20s. At my age now, I'm sort of damaged goods, obviously. Agreed, but there's no need to dwell on this. I wonder if I could sell the rights to my funeral. If those wonder pills don't let me live forever, you know, I do have a few fans out there, or at least yeah. a bunch of ambivalent Facebook friends. Would you be where you are had there not been a sex tape? You know, no. I don't know. Some company might pay me something if we agreed to charge like 10 bucks a ticket to get into the ceremony and maybe 20 bucks for the graveside burial. You know how they like charge more for concert tickets when they let you meet the band afterwards? Yeah. You know how that is. You know, I wouldn't people could like pour a 40 ouncer or or maybe even a bottle of urine or whatever on my gravesite. What would I care? When I get home I'm, when I get home I'm going to check it out. I'm 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 thinking about this. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that offer, but you, you never know. You might find yeah, it. Yeah, all right. Well, let me let me wrap this show up, all right? I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is Burn Seer. Clouds turning gray, falling down. I think I'll sit here for a while. Life moves so
Spud Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Production assistants Brian Martin and Trent Patello. Video director T.J. Pipe. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Derek Schneider, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2016, Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking. Turn the radio on. Wow, wow.